Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Hello, yogis, and welcome back to the final episode on our Yoga Yama series. Today, we're going to be talking about the fifth and final Yama, and that is a Parigraha. Now, if you have not listened to the previous episodes about the eight-limbed path of yoga or the Yoga Yamas, I highly recommend you backtrack and listen to those episodes first so that you have a greater understanding of what it is that we're talking about in today's episode regarding Aparigraha. Aparigraha means non-possessiveness, and oftentimes this is referenced when it comes to greed and not taking more than what you need. But Aparigraha is also referenced when we talk about letting go. So a parigraha, once again, is not just a physical act or a physical practice here. A parigraha has a wide range of applications within your yoga practice and your everyday life. But first, let's take a look at that physical application of a parigraha. But first, let's take a look at the application of a parigraha when it comes to physical possessions. When we become so fixated by physical possessions, whether it's because they have a sentimental value, whether it's because it's something we worked really hard for and it's really expensive and we don't want to lose it, what happens is this obsessive behavior starts to aggravate your mind and creates more of that mind chatter. And when we have this attachment to objects and we have that irritation in the mind, it makes the practice of presence and meditation that much harder to attain. An extreme example of this obsession with physical objects is somebody who hoards items for their sentimental value. Not only do these items take up physical space and oftentimes start to overrun somebody's home, but these items also start to occupy the mind, taking up mental space and draining the hoarder's emotions. Most of the time, people hoard items because they remind this person of fun memories they had in the past or memories of a loved one who might have passed. And that possession is a reminder of that memory and that person's presence. But by holding on to that possession and holding on to that memory, that emotion, it's very hard to bring yourself back to presence in the current moment. Letting go is not the same as forgetting, and that's something we're going to dive a little deeper into as we continue to discuss Aparigraha in this episode. But already we start to see that connection of the more physical aspect of Aparigraha or non-possessiveness and the more subtle aspects of the practice of Aparigraha, the emotional and energetic aspects that the yamas and the niyamas really start to chip away at and dive deeper into 
as your practice continues to grow. Now, the hoarding example is a little extreme, so here's another one for you, and this one comes from my own personal experience in a parigraha or non-possessiveness and or letting go. Now, when I first got my very first Canon camera, I was so excited to use it. And when I moved out to Hawaii, I started doing a lot of hikes and really exploring the island in a more rugged sense out in nature. And I brought my camera with me everywhere I went, but I rarely took my camera out to actually take photos. The reason I didn't want to take my camera out was because I was so afraid that I would drop my camera or drop my lens or break it somehow and then I would be without a camera. But then on the flip side of that, what's the point of having the camera if I'm not going to use it in the first place? And eventually, I realized that and I started to get more comfortable and I took out my camera more and more. But I was so afraid initially of what might happen to my camera that I didn't use it for almost an entire year on island. Now, in this example, I was not attached to the past, but I was attached to a potential outcome that hadn't even happened yet, and that outcome was me breaking my camera somehow, which I did not break the camera, thank goodness, but not being able to use my camera because I was so worried about that potential outcome took me away from being present and enjoying a craft that I really like to do. Now, in both of these examples, somebody who is hoarding physical objects and me, who was too afraid to use my camera for a potential outcome, fear is really what holds us back. Somebody who hoards belongings of a loved one that has passed away might be afraid to lose their memories or lose touch with that loved one after a certain amount of time, so they think that by holding on to these objects, they'll constantly be reminded and they'll enjoy all of the old memories they had with this beloved person. Now, in my case, I was afraid that I was going to break or ruin my camera somehow if I took it out while I was on a hike. Now, both of these fears are valid, the fear of forgetting and the fear of breaking something that might be expensive or might have value to you, but... But in the end, if I didn't trust myself to take out my camera and take photos while I was hiking, and if the person who hoards doesn't trust themselves to let go of these objects and allow themselves to heal, but but trust that they'll still have those fond memories and let them arise naturally when they come, then we can start to find our way back into the present moment rather than living in the past or the future. A parigraha also becomes an act of ahimsa, which is why it's so beautiful that ahimsa is often the very first yama taught to yoga students. Ahimsa is non-harming or compassion for others, and sometimes when we take more than what we need, we actually end up harming others in the process. So a very mild example of this, I grew up with two older siblings, so that meant 
between my siblings, me, and my parents, we had five people at our dinner table, and we always had more than enough food to go around, but I also remember as I was growing up, my mom making sure that we didn't take more than we could actually eat and to make sure we left enough of each dish for everyone else at the table. And in this instance, not being greedy meant that everybody got enough food to eat. And so that act of non-greediness is an act of compassion and love for, in this case, the rest of the people at the dinner table for my family. But we've talked a lot about a parigraha in the physical sense, in physical possessions, and in physical needs. Now let's take a little deeper dive into a parigraha and the idea of letting go. Letting go is a very confusing concept because letting go, much like forgiveness, does not mean we forget, but letting go is something that we need to do in order to give ourselves peace of mind within the present moment and our current life experience. When we first start to practice letting go or a parigraha in a more emotional sense, then it's very easy to think we're practicing a parigraha, but really bypass our emotions and experiences. For example, it's really easy to say we forgive someone, but truly, how do we feel? Are we still holding on to that anger? Are we still holding on to whatever it is that they did to us that made us mad or upset with them in the first place? Because you can say you are over it. You can say you've let go of the past, but if you're allowing that experience to come into your present moment and really dictate the way you're experiencing the present moment, then we really haven't let go at all. But consequently, this doesn't mean that we can't learn from past experiences, that we can't set boundaries with people who have maybe crossed boundaries with us in the past. Similar to how we don't start off meditating right away, we usually start off focusing on something such as the breath or a mantra so that we can find a more calm state of mind. But we also don't start to just let go right away. We don't start to forgive right away. We do need to take these little baby steps, and those baby steps might be boundaries. Those baby steps might be the way you choose to navigate certain situations moving forward. There's nothing wrong with living and learning. And as we do that more and more with the principles of the yamas and niyamas in mind, then we can start to cultivate that equanimous mind or that state of mind where truly we can look at things from an outside perspective and not be so attached to our ego. And talking about ego, a parigraha and letting go of the ego is a big one. Now, I'm going to save this discussion of the ego for a later date because the ego in general is worth like five podcast episodes, maybe even more. Now, the ego is really what it is that we're slowly starting to chip away at in order to find that peaceful state of mind. You'll hear Because when we start to chip away at the ego, that's when we start to recognize the divine within us all, our 
core being, and we start to come into that place of unity which is ultimately the result of the yoga practice, that recognition of unity, the practice of yoking mind, body, and soul, and coming back to the divine. And really, where we start to see this play at letting go of the ego, it happens in our daily lives and our interactions with others, but it's most easily seen within yourself when you're practicing on your yoga mat through your internal dialogue. Now, of course, we don't really try to have an internal dialogue when we're practicing asana or meditation, but it's very natural to have an internal dialogue. Over time, it starts to quiet. However, the glimpses of our internal dialogue, what we tell ourselves as we move in and out of postures, the emotions and experiences we start to remember or start to pull up in our asana or in our meditation, these instances really start to show our ego's perspective of our current reality. And this happens when you are challenged physically or mentally on your yoga mat whether that's within a posture or maybe it's a challenge with your breath or where your mind is wandering off to. These experiences offer a little glimpse at the ego's perspective and give you the opportunity to step away from whatever that narrative is and simply allow yourself to be present with the physical sensations with your breath and with your body and its relationship to space. It's also very easy to see the ego start to take over when you are doing a guided class and the teacher offers a variation of a posture that maybe you've never tried before and you go for that variation, but your body isn't quite ready to move that deeply in that posture, but you continue to push and force your way through and in the end either don't have an overall great experience of that posture And that's an easier example to see where the ego can really start to come in and take over your experience on your yoga mat, and it's usually not always for the best. Now, when it comes to the ego taking over on the yoga mat, specifically in this example with desiring or wanting a certain posture or a certain variation of the posture, so much so that you risk your own body is where we see the act of aparigraha coming into play. Letting go of that desire to be perfect, to be at a certain level of mobility or strength, letting go of that posture and letting go of the physical practice as a mile marker for samadhi. And in the end, we know that it's really not, but All of these instances are an act of aparigraha and bringing it back to the ego and letting go of the ego, letting go of whatever it is that's pushing you towards that posture because that push comes from the ego itself. So when we let go of that push, that pressure, the root of that pressure, then we start to chip away at our ego. 
until maybe eventually the ego starts to dissolve. And this attachment and letting go isn't just in the physical practice. This attachment and letting go with the ego also happens in meditation. It happens with the thoughts that you start to attach to in meditation, the narratives that you start to build in your meditation, which once again, these are natural things that will happen when you start to sit down and practice meditation. We know that really our practice of meditation starts with that deep focus. So even that, letting go of the idea of jumping into meditation right away and knowing that you're going to need to use some of the tools such as your breath and mantra to help you reach that meditative state anyway. So as you can see, there's many ways that you can start to explore the practice of aparigraha, not only in your everyday life, but also on your yoga mat. And being the last yama that you learn, you can start to see all of the complexities that go into the practice of the yamas and the niyamas, which we'll discuss in the next episode. So with that, Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode on Aparigraha, and I hope that it gave you some things to think about in this week moving forward, both on and off your yoga mat. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating, a review. Every little bit helps so that I can continue to make content just for you. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at the Sincere Yogi on Instagram.